A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Crack open that delicious Carabao. The fans are back in charge, everybody. Welcome to the Football Ramble. It's Tuesday, 21st of September. I'm Kate Mason. I'm Jim Campbell. And I'm Vidushan Hunteraja. Welcome one and all. Welcome to the Football Ramble. And I think we need to start with a very important question today. And I'll, and I'll let you feel this one. Jim, mm-hmm. what advice would you give those who don't win first prize in football or in life? Pick yourself up and try again. And Vish, Kevin Keegan fielded this uh. question. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Why are they doing this to yeah. him? It's the meat, the meat guys again, isn't it? They, yeah. asked, they asked him what advice he has for pe- for losers, essentially. Are they bullying him? Sort of, yeah. I, think I don't are. think they know they're doing it, but they are. I mean, it's not <laughs> like he didn't win a lot of trophies as a player. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Kevin, what would you do if you were 12 points clear at the top of the table and gave it away? <laughs> what, would you, what would your advice be in that situation? Yeah. Oh, God. So tell us about the state of the meat industry, because we want to know that you're here for the meat, Kevin, not just for the money. <laughs> Oh. Brilliant contribution, though. I feel like as we assemble our collection of losers, perhaps we could have given a better. <laughs> All right, oh. steady on. Bloody hell! Just because you're hang- today, yeah, just hanging out with triathletes. <laughs> yeah, some of them must lose. They yeah. do. Like, yeah. all, most of them lose. Yeah, it's surely. right, isn't it? I think most of them are losers. To be fair, you yeah. do. If you're good at one, you do it properly. Yeah. Can you, you not diss my new best friends? Are they like? What are they? What are triathletes like? Because it is like an incredibly hard thing to do. Yeah. So presumably you just have to have no semblance of personality, as in when you're specifically in that competing environment. I think they're all quite fun because they're not as um, they're not as you know media trained and stuff as footballers, obviously. Yeah, right. But right. I imagine they must all secretly be psychopaths because yeah. have you seen how bloody hard it is to yeah. do that? I mean, each individual bit's really hard. Oh yeah. God, I know. I'd, yeah, yeah, and also the admin in between. It's very admin heavy. 
what is it like writing down your times and stuff like that? No, yeah. I mean like switching. Like, there's some fun, there's some fun stuff where they're running along with their, some of them have started running along with and putting on the swimming hats as they're going at like, however. So, yeah. Sorry, what, was I, what was I talking about writing down your times? <laughs> I think someone else does that. <laughs> was when that you... 5.11? Well, did anyone get that? <laughs> when you mean... How far can you take that? Can when you get you like a mate time? to fly a drone with a swimming cap on? It's like, plonk it on my head, plonk it on my head. Oh my God, along. that's brilliant. It's a great question. There was a drone kicking around, but I don't think it was for that. You start, so you start with the swimming, mm. and well, then you do the cycling, and then you do the running. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're spicing it up. Sometimes they're moving, moving the run in a different order oh on the God. specific thing that I've been working on. Right. Oh, but wow. Anyway, it's quite a joke. So, yeah, they'll like tuck their little goggles down here, pop the swimming hat on their head as they're running, running like faster than you've ever seen anyone mm. run, you know, up close. Can and you, they're yeah. just like... <laughs> Can you use an e-bike? Um, that's a separate event. I see. Why? You think you're entering? Well, I'm just thinking if... Uh, if thinkering? I'm just thinkering. <laughs> if, if I was like made to do this event, which is the only reason I would do it, I'd be like, how can I cut as many corners as possible? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking, I was just thinking there, it'd be really cool to do a ramble, like urban triathlon. Don't uh, say that. You know, with like... Someone will yeah, make us do with it. With a Santander bike. Well, you've already got the canal oh. sorted, haven't you? <laughs> you've well, got one leg up. I'm not like an expert at swimming because I fell in a canal once. You didn't yeah, but you know, You're still here, aren't you? Yeah, but you know how to survive the canal. That's that's true. True. You're still here, that's, that's it. Yeah. You go out alive. Yeah. Kate Luca runners. Um, yeah, I run. Pete's Actually, good at hot wiring stuff. Whoa, whoa, confusing. You went from being very defensive about your inability to quite defensive about your yeah, ability. Well, can, I, can I run on a treadmill? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah cool, fine. That counts. Yeah, all right. Just put the ramble on. Oh, Patreon exclusive. Should we move on? <laughs> Should we move on to the actual football? Everton. Yeah. We're going to talk about Everton, um, and we, yeah, because we're going to recap stuff that happened over the weekend that we didn't get to. Uh, they. They lost 3-0 to Villa at the weekend, but hey, it, it ended Rafa's unbeaten start. And did you know, guys, it's really important that we talk about this. This is the most played fixture in the English top flight. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? I Just love that, it. Like, Everton have never been relegated. Villa were only recently relegated for the first time, weren't they? So that'll be, that'll be why. I think that's how we should organise our running orders in future. The most historical games. Mm. Uh, first loss for Rafa Benitez at Villa Park. Yeah, it was a surprising one, wasn't it? Mm. The nature of it. But but I think it's probably a, a blip, to be honest, purely because I think that now the dust has settled on the transfer window a little bit. If you look at the business Everton did, it's sort of a really subtle improvement with players that, essentially players like Andros Townsend and, and Solomon Rondon, that Benitez knows he can rely on who will follow his instruction. And we know from his teams in the past that if you can get players who listen to him, it does bring results. And I think part of the problem Everton have had has been like ripping it up and starting it again a lot. And so the, the squad is a bit of a kind of Frankenstein's monster. Mm. Um, or, you know, it, it, through the most negative lens you could view it. But I think he's clearly trying to change that. And I, th- I think that's going to pay dividends. I, th- I think, yeah, this um, this game, it was quite... It, the the coverage afterwards, and, and I suppose because of the nature of the result, you know, losing 3-0 is, is generally a bad result, isn't it? Um, regardless of the mitigating factors of injury and stuff like that. But It's not a drubbing, is it? We decided this ages no, ago. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say a drubbing. No, it's, a, no. It's, a, it's, it's just a comprehensive defeat. It's yeah. a, it's a, yeah, it's kind of, I should see a doctor about this. <laughs> yeah. no, I really should you, see a doctor you about this. Don't go to A&E though. No, just exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Just book an appointment. One, one, one. Yeah. yeah. No, don't do that because they'll just send you to A&E. <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you look at the their squad that they compiled at the start of the season, but then you look at the injuries they had and the fact that they had to call on, was it Anthony Gordon, Tom Davies, Andre Gomez, these aren't necessarily game-changing players. And I think mm. Gordon's the only one you would, you would view as someone who's affecting things in the final third of the pitch by his presence so I, I can 
I was quite um, heartened by what Everton did with Andros Townsend and Damari Gray because there was a little bit of a sense of, God, they were lucky to get those moves in the first mm. place. But mm. Benitez knew what he was getting. He was getting someone who was, who was always very hungry, who perennially seems to have things to prove in Andros Townsend and Damari Gray, who was clearly there was something there yeah. that people were about to give up on, I suppose. So um, I think in terms of Benitez and, and the Everton fit, I think because of the way he is, because because he's a very system-oriented manager, I think he's relatively happy with the squad he has. I think mm. if you think of some of the players like Alan and Decore, who he picked up, as it were, from yeah. from Carlo Ancelotti's last season, I think he, you know, he would have loved to have... I mean, those are the kind of players he loves, really. Hard workers, tactically savvy. So... Yeah, I mean, I do wonder, though, if they're just going to have, like, a big overreaction to this. Like, hopefully not. I don't think so, because, you know, you heard him afterwards. It is difficult. When, you, when, you're, when your injuries include Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who's out for at least another couple of weeks, I think. Obviously, Pickford uh, wasn't playing, so Asma Begovic got his first Premier League start. Jim looks like yeah. he's pleased about that. I don't know what that face means. Uh, your captain, Seamus Coleman, as well as well as Richarlison. I mean, I don't... I wouldn't necessarily want to compare it to the to the Spurs game, but they did have a few big chances in the first half. Simon Rondon for he could have yeah. put a couple away, and likewise, I can think of one particularly big one from Damari Gray that he you know he just missed. It I could mean, have looked completely different. Anyone would miss like the equivalent of those level of players in your squad. Like it's that's a they're really you're you're up against it with especially with Calvert Lewin and Richarlison out. So I mean, again, it shows the savviness of Benitez knowing that you that this is going to happen and having someone dependable like Rondon in there, even though it's not worked out for them today or in this game rather. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, in terms of Villa, should we give them a few few props? Mm. Matty Cash looking like Grealish, scoring like Grealish, decent. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd take that. Um, I think I'd take that to be fair. <laughs> I mean, it's the most believable body swap in the Premier League. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Biologically, yeah. there's not that far to go, so maybe that's what's happened. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. actually, to be honest, the person we should be talking about is Leon Bailey. He was unbelievable. Twenty-one minutes, on he comes. Uh, his corner it was deflected off Luca Dina's head, wasn't it? Yeah. But still, it was an amazing corner. And then he just smashed that uh, that third one home what an incredible player I know right he, I, I mean Andy's has said that his issue in the Bundesliga was consistency so we'll see if, if Dean Smith can get that out of him but Dean Smith seems to be brilliant at that doesn't he just getting everybody sort of pushing in the right direction or pulling in the right direction depending where you want to go um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm sort of excited for Villa because obviously losing Jack Grealish was, is, is such an emotional thing as well as being something that makes such a difference to your team because they're essentially built around him but I think they've signed really really cannily Kept players like Douglas Louise there, who, you know, was a huge, huge player for them. And they've not really missed the beat, have they? Well, I think part of that has been the their investment of the Grealish money mm. was done ambitiously, if that makes sense. They didn't get that money and think, right, we could probably keep half of this. Yeah. yeah. Store it away for, a, you know, for our specific rainy days. Not mm. necessarily for the club, but, you know, that's we could all take a nice little cut of this. But they, you know, they obviously Ings, Buendia... Bailey, Bailey in particular, is someone who loads of big clubs have been sniffing around, but yeah. no one's really pulled the cord on because they've been unsure about, you know, his consistency. And, and Aston Villa just thought, look, if we get ten blistering games out of him out of thirty, yeah. then that's brilliant for us, isn't it? That's going to take us to the next level. It's a, so it's a stronger squad now, isn't it? I think. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like a more rounded squad as well. They've got threats from everywhere. The fact that, as you, you know, we've already pointed out that he came on as a sub and and did did what he did is. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, like teams, team. There are teams above Villa in the league. So what? Where, where are Villa in the league right now? They are trying to work it out. Like, so they're tenth. There are teams above them in the league who would 
crave those kind of options. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty happy place for them to be. We'll come on to that in a minute. Uh, Leon Bailey, uh, if you want to read more about him, actually, friend of the show, Joe Bruin, wrote a couple of years ago, I think it was on 442, this incredible piece about him and about how he had to kind of make his way in the world while he was at Genk, age 15, being looked after by his older brother. It's so interesting. Um, Let's stick with um, Everton for a little bit as well, because it looks as though James Rodriguez is out the door. You talked about the kind of Frankenstein's monster uh, setup that they have. Do you think uh, the James signing... he only joined a year ago, by the way, and I remember how excited we actually were to mm. see him play in the Premier League. But it's, Especially it's an when injury. he started playing, and he yeah, was brilliant. he was great. But that it, first game against Spurs, he was brilliant, yeah. That was the first game of the season. Yeah, yeah, he was great, but it looks as though it's been perhaps other people knew better than us in terms of Real Madrid because it has been. he's been injured quite a lot. There's been some COVID uh, complications as well. Yeah, I mean, he. so he was, you know... A, very good creative force for Everton last year, but obviously they couldn't rely on him to play too many games back to back, and that was something they had. They ended up having to work out themselves, and I suppose they knew that with the risk in terms of, with all due respect to Everton, when you get a player who has just come from Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, you know you're getting him because they're slightly flawed, and yeah. obviously a lot of that was, you know, playing um, playing consistently, but also it was his output as well, and I think. You know, similar similar-ish to the Bailey, Leon Bailey Villa thing. They kind of thought, right, if we can get some few magic moments from him, then brilliant, we'll, we'll take us to the next level. And he'll, you know, Everton have always been a team who've tried as best they can to stick to this idea of being an entertaining club. Even some of the signings in a few years before that that hadn't gone particularly well were done with a view of of being mm. quite an engaging side to watch. Uh, and now, obviously, they're in an awkward situation where he's on what is it, he's on two hundred grand a week. Yeah, Jesus. He's also in this space now that players of his ilk, when they're you know not necessarily at big big clubs, get into where they dictate when they play, which for him is doesn't doesn't sound like he wants to jeopardise any potential move in January or if anything comes before that because he's talking about well you know Benitez mentioned that there are a couple of like slight little niggles here and there that were reported by Rodriguez himself. So, um, I mean, it's kind of unfortunate. I, I do wonder if Everton fans thought this was going to be like a, a great romantic story. Or, or would they have accepted the fact that, you know, they got the flashes and that in its own right out of context was entertaining? You know? Is it worth it for 200 grand a week? And just a bit, just to clarify, you did just call Everton not a big... Not a big, big. Club. But I said, but I just said, wanted to check uh, in. But and I said see. big three times there, <laughs> yeah. so I had two outs on the way down. Yeah, okay, that's <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, don't don't write in. Uh, yeah, so he looks like he's going to go to Qatar potentially. Um, they've got the money. For Tell him. us about Qatar. <laughs> oh, <I think> yeah. <laughs> so. Sell um, us Qatar. <laughs> they've got. Well, you know, what should he do when he gets there? He should wait indoors until. October when it will be nice and cool comparatively uh, different rules for men and women remember that yeah. so <laughs> no just as long as you keep your knees covered both male and female you'll be absolutely he fine he does pull his socks up doesn't he so he'll be fine exactly yeah. quite quite right not Jack Grealish so. uh, Jordan Pickford out with injury but he was actually at the This Is Tomorrow festival in Newcastle See, so I don't have a problem with this. No, unless he's putting someone on his shoulders. He's got a shoulder injury, yeah. Okay, well, uh, so... What if he's in the mosh pit? 
You've never... That's oh, the most okay. Oxbridge pronunciation of mosh pit I've ever heard. Yeah. I was actually at a festival this very weekend. Yeah. I'll have you know. You Jersey something or other. It's the most middle class festival in the world. Carry on. What, they roll, yeah, that sounds like they rolled cheese down a road or something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, in that latitude. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I uh, I remember this. So obviously, because I knew we were talking about it, I, I looked this up and about four or five years ago, I did a... Uh, did a piece with a Premier League nutritionist. Mm. And we got onto the subject of, you know, footballers after hours. And he said, look, obviously we're not going to tell them to drink. We advise them not to. But because we know they're going to do it anyway, we always kind of give them pointers. So one of them was like, you know, slimline tonics and things like that. <laughs> uh, vodka and also, yes. you know, champagne. Fine. Uh, and so I wondered that... I didn't realise I had such an athlete alcoholic diet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, God, I'm just thinking of someone advising Jordan Pickford to drink vodka and champagne. Well, this so, is what I'm oh. saying, because they obviously he obviously would have known, they would have known that he was going to go to it, because, yeah. you know, footballers, camera phones, and mm. this, that, and the other, they, like, he would assume it's gone out, so they wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have been trying to hide it. So I wonder if they tell him, look, if you're going to go, fine... You can two-step if you want. Nothing from the shoulders down, though. <laughs> don't try and body pop. Don't try and, like, you know, don't leave leave the big fish and the little fish in the cardboard boxes at home. Yeah. And just, you know, everything from the waist down, all good. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. The rave can be on. No mosh pits, not, of course. Yeah. Not up to ten. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, give, yeah, give, him, give him a... You know, a, a rave ceiling. As we begging it's just pretty good in goal anyway. Yeah. I mean, he's, the he's, he's not a raver, really is he? He's solid. not a raver. It doesn't matter. Huh. He's not a raver. As in, you wouldn't you wouldn't want him at that festival. He's just less fun, isn't he, Begovich? Yeah, if you... yeah, he did some quite profound leaps that I enjoyed. I think that could do well in the game. In less the dance, so at the festival. In the dance floor. Right. <laughs> but if you, I mean, if you see Asmir Begovic at a festival, that's kind of quirky. If you see Jordan Pickford, that's major day. Like, <laughs> yeah. or, no, or yeah. it's like, what festival are you at if he's not there? You know, standard. Yeah, as, well, as in, yeah, okay, none of the good people have turned up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> Begovic is one of those weird goalkeepers, though. He's, like, he's an exceptional, like, you know, top 12 team goalkeeper. Yeah. And then, but he's an exceptional, like, alternate isn't it yeah mm. so he, actually arsenal are 13th right now so it's not <laughs> that's the cut off well you signed one the of cutoff. them didn't you so. yeah not quite yeah. <laughs> oh bless Ami martinez was looking good wasn't he in this he game does. um everton take on qpr at loftus road tonight in the carabao cup actually we'll probably talk a little bit about the carabao uh after the break and then also uh villa have got chelsea tomorrow at stamford bridge in the aforementioned league cup we will get to all of that japes i think uh, after this. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes, until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. This week, there's been loads going on across Stack. Over on the Luke and Pete show, I'm telling Luke about why my hairstyle has been bothering children. When she says, why have you got your hair like that? Yeah. Why have you got your uh, hair in a ponytail? We've been told that we're not to talk to men who have ponytails. <laughs> Good parents. The, yeah, but that wasn't the parents. They didn't say that. Right. She'd just been told at school or something. Never to trust a man with a ponytail. Meanwhile, the book club is back with a cracker on Football Ramble Presents. Kate and Jim were joined by Simon Cooper to talk about his new book, Delving into the Heart of Barcelona Football Club and what its legends were really like. Johan Cruyff, in, in my humble opinion, he's the kind of Freud or Marx or Einstein of football. He invented modern football, but he was also a lunatic. Cruyff was a guy who walks into a room and says, you're doing it all wrong, you should do, it. You should do what I say. Listen to the Luke and Pete Show and Football Ramble Presents every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's not take a piss here. <laughs> I, I certainly wasn't. Well, I think you are. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to the Football Ramble with me, Jim, and Vish in your ears. Today we have got some emails for you. We have got a different jingle. We have biffed off Pete for a second Why have we done so? That, I think that's out of order. Do you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll take it up with management. It's Kate, Jules, Jim or Vish, Marcus, Luke or Pete the Tit. <laughs> and he might just read up one in show at footballramble.com. 
Email show at footballramble.com Sven. You could do a version. I you mean, could. biffing off Pete's ramble for a jingle Ram- that ramble him a jingle. Tit. Yeah, exactly. That's the, the, the ultimate disgrace. Um, email here from Mike Lone. Uh, thought I'd reach out with a player injury story. This one involving Derby County's Mark Poom. There were doubts over the keeper's return to the 2000 2001 pre season training after being injured in a game against heavy metal band Iron Maiden. <laughs> the band's bass player and well-known West Ham fan Steve Harris often plays football on days off while on tour with a team of band members, roadies and tour management. In Bruce Dickinson's autobiography, the singer mentioned a charity game arranged before an Iron Maiden gig in Estonia against Flora, T- Flora FC Tallinn, at which Poom featured as a guest. Whilst playing as a striker, Poom collided awkwardly with the opposition goalkeeper when going for a header. A team doctor for the Estonian national team confirmed that Poom suffered a fractured cheekbone and undisclosed injuries to his testicles. Oh! All the best and love from Toronto. Iron Maiden for you, man. I actually saw Steve Harris playing a charity game. Well, I was like, I I think I was still at school. I think Kelly Jones from Stereophonics was involved, possibly Damon Albarn. It was back when, like, like pre-soccer aid, when these weird little tournaments would happen, yes. and you would actually have quite big names. Right, yeah. I think Robbie Williams might have even been there. Robbie Williams um, is always at them, though. Yeah, exactly, right. And so Steve Harris was was playing, and his team came second, and they were like giving out the medals, but he'd gone home in a sulk because they didn't <laughs> win. Like, he really takes it seriously. So I'm not surprised he's injured Mark Poom in the balls. We're undisclosed injury, though. You'd yeah. want more detail. I feel like if you're Mark Poon, you'd want people to have more details because people think, well, they're just destroyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> destroyed. Oh. They are very vulnerable, though, as I understand it. Yes. Yeah. Destroyed balls is a, is a terrible injury. Nobody wants that. We should fundraise for that, actually. <laughs> we should. Robert Scott's been in touch. He says, evening ramblers, giving away when he sent this email. Uh, <laughs> two thoughts have come into my head in recent weeks. One, I can't bear to watch Newcastle play anymore. And two, who would win in a regional five-a-side tournament uh, across the UK? <laughs> Andy often mentions South London being a hotbed of talent. And recently you mentioned Birmingham being similar with the likes of Jude Bellingham and Jack Grealish. I want to put it to the ramblers and those at home to see which region of the UK would have <laughs> the best five-a-side team of all time. I'm choosing to allow any player through history to play as I can't bear the idea of having Paul Dummett and Jack Cole back in a team together. Here's my five aside for Newcastle. Steve Bruce, rush keeper. Um, <clears throat> Central defence, Michael Carrick, midfield, Peter Beersley and Paul Gascoigne. Forward, Alan Shearer, manager, Bobby Robson. Now that is strong, isn't it? You've got to mm. be honest. Apart from the goalkeeper, perhaps. Um, I reckon we go quite far in the tournament, scoring a boatload of goals before bottling it two games from the end. Nice. <laughs> All right, so Central was in is what we want, basically. Mm. Who do um, you think? Where do you think? The South Coast is... is Pretty good, isn't it? There's a huge catchment area. Um, obviously, it's a direct. Um... You just want to sign Matt Lutter, do you? <laughs> no, no, God, no. I think we leave him where he is. Um... We're getting team. We're just Matt. We're playing teams from around the world. Around the what? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so have you seen that? There was a tweet uh, going around yesterday that's from the Flatter Society, and it said, "We've got members. We've got how many members? We've got thousands of members from all over the globe." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That, that happens. They're not. They're odd people. Show at footballramble.com. Tweet us at footballramble. Let's get into some Arsenal, shall we? Uh, it's the title of this is predictable lunacy. Did you write that, no, Jim? I no, I would. I would rather reflect on the the one nil win over the weekend. Oh, there you go. What a lovely one. Massive. Part of your anti-Jim agenda yet again. <laughs> what a massive win. Um, you know, it, obviously, Turf Moor, a tough place to go. 
Or is it? They haven't won a home game, Burnley, since January and they're winless in the first five games of the season. Yeah. I mean, it has that reputation, doesn't it? But um, I think... Just because it's in the northwest. Yeah, but also, I mean, they, they do make it they do make it hard for teams even when you win. Apparently they don't. Look at the well, stats. Well, I know, but it was like, you know, that was it was a, that was a difficult game. Obviously Arsenal eventually won it, but I think that their style of play leads to that cliche, doesn't it? Just yeah, because they, sure, they sure. you know, they they make you work really hard. Um but yeah, they do need to they do need to turn it around. Uh Burnley that is. You can talk say say nice stuff about Arsenal if you want. Lovely goal from Martin Odegaard and also it was I say I feel the keeper Ash- should have done a bit better though. Definitely true, but and that free kick so Ashley Westwood sized down Bukayo Saka didn't he and that was yeah, this out of order I think but also it's just a symptom of how scared he was of Saka it was just a, a great move and he was in a going to be in a great goal scoring opportunity so fine yeah, I, I did think um, Burnley had some weird moments in Arsenal's box where it, it didn't quite look like Arsenal knew what they were doing in clearing the ball mm. They, they got, <laughs> there was a little bit pinbally, wasn't it, at times? Yeah. But it's but, going to be like that, though, isn't it? They make it yeah, like that. They yeah, just close yeah, everything down. They smack it straight back at you. I was really impressed with Gabriel, actually. Mm. Um, he, he had a really, really strong game. And obviously there was a bit of a kind of scary moment where Ben White under-hit the ball, ball back to Aaron Ramsdale, yeah. but he managed to just about get a touch on it. Was that not a penalty? No, he got the ball, didn't he? he I he thought that was brilliant, a away. brilliant tackle. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. And, like you know... Given and then taken away by VAR or whatever, yeah, discussed VAR. For, I thought that was absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Do you think VAR? Was... Let's give it some credit. Let's move absolutely. on. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that eleven they played was as close to their their full strength team? And I, and I and I say that knowing that obviously if you play Man City or Chelsea, you're going to approach things a bit differently. Maybe be a bit more cautious. But that looked in terms of going forward, that front five, as it were. Yeah, it's I very, really um, like the look of that. very ambitious and attacking, wasn't it? Obviously, you know, it didn't like lead to like a glut of goals, but the idea is that these players would, would gel. I mean, the game ended with every one of Arsenal's signings on the pitch, yes. which is a bit surprising because they signed six players in the summer, obviously all pretty young. Ramsdale was... It, He's staking a claim for being number one straight yeah, away, which he is definitely, I mean, what, he's played three games straight now, hasn't he? He was man of the match on Sky Sports yeah, for that so, game. I mean, you know, it's, it's not always ridiculous. I mean, I said this earlier in the season, people always think Arsenal are like, on the verge of being some sort of clownish like <laughs> joke about to collapse. And it's never as bad as, it's, as it seems. And this is a good example of that. I know like playing Norwich and Burnley is different from playing the teams you played at the start of the season and that's where you're going to be judged. But still, um, I'm, I think, you know, the whole point was of this, this, window was lowering the age profile of, mm. of, of the club and just kind of just starting the process of, of building a, a, t- a team for the future and I'm, I'm very very happy to see these players get in get in minutes because it's not the most scintillating thing just yet but they're going to have to click and they're going to have to learn to play together and it's like that you know there's a lot of young players there already if you look at Saka and Smith Rowe who are still still really finding their feet so yeah. you know they, you can't really Smith look Rowe at them as great, seasoned old old pros great chance early on and 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 the other thing that Arsenal fans are going to have to learn is patience according to Per Saka who's told the fans to expect the club to be without Champions League football for maybe two or three years I'm impatient he says I want to be successful tomorrow I want to go back in the Champions League tomorrow. I want to speak to people and say, listen, we have got the best club in the world who challenges for titles every single year. That's not the reality. Yeah, no, it's not the reality. And I don't think many Arsenal fans think that it is. Um, I think everyone's pretty You have been realistic. rebuilding for a little bit, though, Yeah, absolutely. You? But it's I mean, not unfair it's, to say. Well, I mean, but the scaffolding is very much still up. So it's like no one's like looking at a building full of scaffolding and going, yeah, I reckon that's done. Like it's... Yeah, I mean, this is the reality of where Arsenal are. It would be great to not be there, but I think quite often people from outside the club think that Arsenal fans think that we're going to challenge for the league, which obviously yeah. we're not. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, I, I th- you you mentioned this on the show a couple of weeks ago. I think when Marcus was like, "Oh, you know, why does it have to be this bad?" And, and you were like, "Well, I mean, it does in a way. Like you, you actually, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with what Mertesacker said there. No, it, it has. It's, it's not going to be something that fixes itself over a year. Even if you somehow got Champions League football this year, that wouldn't be the solution to all the problems. No. That would, you know, this wouldn't be the start of a new dawn. Mm. That all those problems will persist, not just on the pitch, but you know, uh, above Arteta's head as well. But I think, I mean, you know, Kate, you mentioned there about they've been rebuilding for a while. I mean, it's never like that, though, is it? Like, as soon as you sack Emery, you start rebuilding again. Yeah. Even, like, moving to Arteta was a sense of, like, we got to start again. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it was coloured a bit by the FA Cup win. Yeah, oh, You know, as impressive as that was. But, you know, we, we've always said about, well, uh, you know, in, in looser terms, we've always said about Arsenal over the last year or so that, they seem to have all the right youngsters. Yes. You know, you would love that kind of potential coming through, and none of the right, you know, none of the right role models, really. Yeah. And it does, it does seem that I, certainly I think when I see Saka and Smith throw out there, and the way other senior players respond to them, that the younger players are bringing out that little bit more of the senior players. It was quite pronounced with Lacazette really? last year, and uh, and hopefully, I imagine for Arsenal fans, um, Aubameyang will be similar this year. And also Thomas Party being fit Back again in, yeah. is, is so, so important. But what's more important is to just properly get him playing in the team because he yeah. almost, he feels a bit like a guest star at the moment <laughs> yeah. rather than an actual like full-time member of the squad. Yeah, gotta feel That's it. That's such a good shout. Yeah, like in sitcoms where like someone comes in who's not a regular character and they get like the studio applause. applause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! <laughs> and then you don't see him for another three appearances. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Jermaine Genus's idea is that um, Arsenal would do well to follow Manchester United's example and recruit more club legends to their backroom staff. I don't know if that Arteta, Mertesaka, Edu might feel a bit offended. Liam yeah. Berg was just working there before. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Uh, yeah. I don't know what to read into that. Maybe that's where all the sort of old, clever heads are mm. and then the youngsters are just uh, running th- things on the pitch. But I don't think Genius has made a good point. A that. question has caught him off guard there. Yes, I it? think. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> Do, <laughs> happens to all of us. I'm not sure if we've given enough credit to Arsenal yet, but I'm, I'm afraid we're not going to... Today's not the show for that. We're no. just going to quickly well, mention... Let's be honest, the Football Ramble isn't the show for that, is it? <laughs> Bunch of... Do you think they've earned it in your time? Um, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. All right. Uh, let's look at their little their little Twitter escapade. Were you part of the Q&A, Jim? I wasn't. Uh, that they had with their manager? You weren't. No. Because there were some unusual people who were taking part in this. Some of them looked suspiciously like fake accounts set up by the club. Well, not fake accounts, but maybe people who, who were late to the Q&A game, let's say. Uh, one tweet was from an account that, was set up only to tweet about this. I mean, it's understandable. You get excited about a Q and A. Yeah. You might set up a brand new Twitter account in order to to contact your manager. I mean, I can see that. Um, similarly, the JP Morgan press officer who hasn't tweeted since 2017, and also the one who used the profile picture of someone who actually works at Arsenal. It's all very strange. So I, I mean, I don't mind Arsenal or any club really going full like Pravda and trying to kind of <laughs> just you know like. Make the you know, uh, I, I'm sure a lot of these Q and A's have manufactured oh, questions. Of course, in yeah. them, you got to hide it. Does anyone yeah, ever really tweet into radio stations these well, days? I mean, I, I literally um, worked for a place where we would encourage readers to send in questions for. 
big interviews and I would write half the questions <laughs> because, you know, someone doesn't want to know who the, he's got the best banter in the changing room. <laughs> did, you, um, did you make up names, though, for those people? Oh, yeah, I did that as yeah. well. So, yeah. You know. Got a lot of ones from Berlin, randomly. Big cricket following Berlin. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of those fans taking back control, um, Fans are set to be given a veto over their club taking part in new competitions after this fan-led review was set up to, I don't know, react. It wasn't actually set up to react to the European Super League nonsense. It was it was planned to happen before that, but I, I guess what went on there has acted as a trigger in terms of some of the things that are being discussed in it. The idea is that the Golden Share will protect heritage assets like badges, colours and location. I mean, it sounds... I don't, I don't know how far this has got at this point, but it sounds incredible because it could definitely... Had it had that been the case, you're looking cynical about this, but had that been the case previously, you know... The AFC Wimbledon stuff wouldn't have taken part. All of the conflict with Hull City and uh, Sam Alam trying to change the name to the Tigers wouldn't have been possible. The stuff with Cardiff City and the colours. It, it sounds as though if it if it's done right, that could actually be potentially quite a good thing. It does, but isn't heritage assets a term that like sets alarm bells ringing <laughs> in your head? It's very similar to like legacy fans, isn't oh, it? God, and I want to like, those examples you've used are all great, but they are quite rare, aren't they? And I think, like, it just leaves me a bit uneasy. It's just like, we're going to give you these things that, in apart from the most exceptional cases, you will never need. Yeah. And then <laughs> then you'll feel like you've, you've got invested. control, but actually you have no control. Yeah, yeah, that's spot on. It's, you know, it's basically power that has no effect on, on what they're actually going to... Well, the reason as that people you... buy clubs and people... The, the reason that we got into this European Super League mess, it wasn't because they were like... Don't like the colours. Mm. Do not like the colours. Should we start our own league? Yeah, you know that, that, <laughs> was, that badge. Yeah, there are there are some th- some things in in it um, in that you know that fan review which are really good. I, I really like the um, artificial pitches thing. Yes, because obviously it's a sustainable way for clubs lower down the pyramid to make money all year round. Also, you know the fact that it mitigates against. Um, you know, calling off for weather is actually quite low down on the, on the list of reasons for having an artificial pitch. Also, you know, Manchester United were playing in the Champions League on an artificial pitch last week. Yes. So, so they're definitely good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of teams have had to spend a lot of money in converting that. And, and I think yeah. by talking to Maggie Murphy at Lewis, yeah, that was one of the real troubling things about when you make progress with your club, if you're then going to have to spend a whole load of money, have a load more grand stuff, and then also not be able to rent it out to other people who want to use it, right? Because yeah. it's more durable if it's artificial. You can let, I don't know, the local other team. I mean, managers it. often complain about like the effect on players' knees and yes. things like that, don't they? But is that is that just outdated? Is it is that... a it is a bit, yeah. Obviously it depends on, on the level of, you know, astroturf and artificial surface that they're able to afford. But for example, Saracens who, you know, the rugby team, they play on an artificial pitch. <laughs> so it's not just, you know, knee joints, it's literally being thrown to the ground <laughs> yeah. and having like seven hundred kilos basically falling on top of you at any one time not any one time I haven't watched rugby in a while <laughs> big people hitting you yeah, hard do they do bundles in rugby I don't know they do they do, they do what, they yeah. do like an organised bundle don't yeah, they I think they call it scrum. What scrum is yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah but obviously the, you know, the technology's come along also I imagine it would be quite a cool thing to crowdfund in terms of you know getting support from the rest of the league to help these teams you know put them in and make sure they are state-of-the-art so that if yeah. there's an FA Cup situation, you haven't got someone complaining about this, that and the other. Also, if it's artificial, it doesn't have to be green, does it? You could have like a golden pitch oh, or like wow. a rainbow pitch. You could have whatever you want. I suspect you wouldn't be allowed to have that. Do you remember when Leicester used to cut their grass so that mm. it was in like cool shapes? 
really bloody put a stop to that. Did they why? really? Is that why that stopped? I can't. I can't remember what the justification was, but yeah, it was like you have to have your pitch cut in the right, just That's boring order. Really stupid because yeah. that was football's equivalent of the big art attack, wasn't it? That was like yes. the closest you could get. Oh. I've only oh, I haven't realised that had gone. That's so annoying. <laughs> It's so joyless. That, that we did, should go. That we did should go about five years ago, though, Jim. So it's so I know, slightly but, points out that you, you know I'm a quite dopey man. We should. We should. Uh, we should go up there and, as, you know, with your art attack idea, just like do like a shitload of pasta on the pit and just start like moving <laughs> it around in little little diagonals. Yeah, yeah. or that or, like that oil slick in Charlie Kane's office. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why have you? I was thinking of Neil Buchanan, and he put Charlie Kane in my head. He's always in He there. looks a bit like the head in Art Attack, doesn't he? Yeah. Sort of. I don't know. I'd, like, I'd, quite, I'd quite like to see a bust of Charlie Kane. I don't know where that's come from. I'm sure it could be arranged. Hasn't, doesn't Pete have a person who does you? No, yeah, he has no, a 3D Pete printer. He has a 3D printer and he made, a, he, made a, he made my head and I don't know why and we've never really spoken about it. The idea that, that... That's what Pete's like. If yeah. anyone else made a bust of your own head, you'd ask them why, but I'm just thinking, I'm fine. I like the way that that's quite a. I, I see that as quite a, you know a, a personal thing. But he just put it in the ramble WhatsApp room. Yeah. He was like, oh, I've just made this of of Jim. And it's like okay, I don't know you should have used it for. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I, we don't want to go into this too much. We've got a few bits about the Carabao Cup we're going to talk about. But surely we would have had you would have had to have some sort of um, oh, he, he sc- No, he scanned my head with an app in the in here in the studio. Did the same to Mark. Oh, so it's your own fault. Because well. I was okay. imagining yeah. that you'd had papier mache put around your face, and no. then you were like, "Oh, I just was totally not involved in this." No, he just <laughs> he, he just held his phone up to me. He said, "Look at that. Like, look, look left, look right." And then two days later, there's a bust of my head. 3D printed on Twitter so yeah I also like the way that Kate assumed he had a sculpture guy and yeah. I thought oh no that is something he'd have yeah <laughs> he definitely he definitely has a sculpture guy yeah oh well we've all got one we've got, all got a 3D head uh, write in if you have <laughs> Jim Campbell show at footballramble.com uh, tonight's Carabao Cup Man City playing the kids against Wickham Wanderers Pep's not happy he had a deeper squad aid Vish yeah, but but I mean they're like the best kids in the world. Yeah, they're not really. It's like Bugsy Malone. Yeah, it's, it's just tough. kids. Good film. It's tough for him. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough for him. Oh, Pep Guardiola. He's having he's having quite a struggle, isn't he? This last week, he got into a fight that he shouldn't have got into with the fans. The club's I'm, fans. I'm, I'm with Pep on that. I, I thought it was very weird of the um... putting out a statement about that. No, well, but, I, but, I th- but he but he started it. This is what I mean. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I I, th- I thought the response was like a bit over the top. Wait, how did he? He didn't start it. It wasn't well, just he, like, he, can you come to a game? Yeah, I don't but, know. but it that's wasn't. Not, but that, any other club than Manchester City, that's not controversial. No, no, it's not. Please con- don't write it. It, it. It's not controversial, but it's the way he said it. It's, oh, okay. It's yeah, the yeah, fact sure that, like, the direct quotes. What did he say? Well, he was just, you know, we should, because it, it was right after the match, uh, right after the Champions right. League game. It was like, you know, I hope this is full for, for Southampton. The intervention being that, like, it doesn't matter who was able to, you know, give up their Wednesday evening or whatever to, to watch the game. It was the, the you know, the. We need more people in here, blah blah blah. Little things like it just—it was a bit tone deaf. Like at the very oh, least, okay. right. he could have. I assumed that. I was, thought he could. I think that's consistent with him. With Pep, though, yeah, sure. It? I think sure. we know that, and they know that, and I just—I don't know. And he then, doesn't yeah. live in a world that's like everybody else's no. world. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, that, that's, that's triangles and footballs. <laughs> he sees things different. He's like the predator, but for <laughs> tactics. Yeah, he um. Yeah, I was just thinking he's got like a three D printout of everyone's head in his squats. <laughs> but he um he but yeah, but then also, you know, just like, like how he it's quite an easy way of covering it off, you know, a lot of people said that, you know, you why don't you have a word about the 
Ticky Bryson this, that, the other. But what, but yes. basically, long story short, it feels like he's in a space now where Chelsea doing what they're doing. Liverpool seem like they're back. He's had a couple of you know irritating results or mm. ir- irritating moments where he's had to address the press. Oh, so he's know. doing a Mourinho? I don't think he's doing a Mourinho. I oh, think a tribute I th- act. You will be pleased. No, because because for Pep, it's all it always comes from a sincere place, which is always the worry. Like he he's he finds it so hard to, I suppose, play poker really yeah. with these situations that you can really tell when he's when he's irate. And I wonder, like, because he wasn't, he actually wasn't like this this time last season when they had that bad start. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I don't remember him like that. Obviously, there was question marks about whether De Bruyne was going to sign a new deal, whether he would go, sign on for another year. But he was, he seemed relatively calm, and now he's just this. I think it's too early to be this touchy, especially ahead of a Carabao Cup game. Also, with missing out on Harry Kane and missing out Ooh, yeah. on him in at the time in which they did, so it was very difficult for them to get anyone else in. Mm. They've they've not got their own way for the first time in a while, mm. you know, in a very very specific, big visible way. So that um, it has left them, I suppose, as, as much as you can say, Man City have been left short. That there is a, a key position in which they are lacking, so, and that's that's like that's pretty rare yeah. for Pep, like yeah. anywhere he's been. All right, Leeds are playing Fulham tonight. Uh, Patrick Bamford might not have been available because he was called up to Love Island. He says. He received yeah. a call from someone, well, purporting to be a producer of the show, as Leeds were in uh, were in preseason. I like the idea that his approach to being called up on Love Island, or his reaction, is the same that you know when footballers get called up for international duty for the first time. The lot I thought was wind up. <laughs> <laughs> I think in this specific instance, Fish, I think it may have been a wind up. Yeah. He says, "I never normally answer it, but I did answer it, and I can't remember what his name was. I think it was Chris or something like that." He's not great at telling anecdotes. But anyway, hi, it's Chris from ITV. Did you know that Casa Amor has just finished? We could do with a bombshell and you'd be perfect. They've had a couple of footballers on, though. They've had a couple of not like, low, of his like level. lower league footballers, but pros. So, you know, it's not impossible they might reach out, try and sneak him in. And like, Don't worry about your pre-season. You can do all that off camera. We'll get you, get you a training team. Come on, Love Island. Yeah, there was a cricketer just uh, on the last one as well. Just, do you think they thought that that Patrick Bamford is trying to like deposh his image, and so little little jaunt onto deposh his image? Yeah. Are you gonna go on Love Island? Yeah, right. We have the same agent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I quite like the idea of just chucking a footballer in. They should throw in one Premier League footballer and one person who's in there as like a punishment, and then Love Island would be way more interesting. You know who would who would be brilliant on Love Island? Mm. Just for our amusement, Pep. Oh my <gasps> God! Imagine. Oh. Days. Just, I, I would love, to, you know, obviously there's that video of da- him dancing to Dua Lipa. Yeah. Don't mind it. But He's got some moves. Yeah, no, he does have some moves, but I wonder if he has the social skills. Yeah. Well, maybe he just, could, he could, just talks about football. Is there a way he could just sit on his own, sort of rocking backwards and forwards? See, that's what I would do in Love Island. Yeah. It'd be awful. Yeah. It'd be oh, like, good. Uh, yeah, I think I'd be the first Love Island contestant to wear his t shirt in the pool. <laughs> Fish, you are actually looking. Pretty good today. No, but but they're like a different level. They're like, like, like and I should be clear, Vish is not actually topless in the studio. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but is in a paddling pool. Weirdly, <laughs> I know. I didn't. I don't know who brought that in. Is that three D printed as well? I assume so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Norwich also hosting Liverpool, Sheffield United versus Southampton, Watford v Stoke City. The other three for you tomorrow's show. It is me, Vish, and Luke. So that's it, really. Say goodbye, Jim. Goodbye. <laughs> 
was abrupt. I'm not quite ready to go. You literally host the show <laughs> and you were taken by surprise that it was the end of the show. I just having such a great time. I felt like I'd just been kicked out of a pub for <laughs> no reason. Was, like... Yeah. And the last order bell has gone at the same moment that I'm handing you a plastic cup and kicking you out the door. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally how we always end it, Vish. I don't know why you're so surprised. Hey, say goodbye, take your plastic cup and stop being loud at the neighbours. Sorry, I'll keep it down. All right. We'll catch you next time. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.